From Anchor.fm out of Philadelphia, I'm Quincy Stallworth with Quince Questions. Today we talk with Arlen Walters. She's been singing professionally in the Philadelphia region and tri-state area for over 15 years, which has now established her as a multi-genre cultural artist. She sung blues, rock, soul, Broadway, and America popular songbooks. She's also the lead vocalist of a legendary blues band, the Dukes of Destiny. Prepare yourself for the incredible sounds, voice, and jokes from Arlen Walters. And at the end, you'll hear a live performance of her singing Barbecue Best, her own rendition. So hang tight. But first, a message from our sponsor. Your brand is operating on your behalf 24 hours a day, and brand consistency builds confidence. At 1030 Designs, we help you build brand confidence by creating cohesive logos, social media posts, websites, and marketing materials so your audience knows who you are at a glance. We're here to help, and we're ready to get busy for you. Visit us at 1030designs.com today. That's 1030designs. This is Quincy Stallworth. I'm with my incredible friend, Arlen Walters. She's so incredible. She's so talented. Can I get a round of applause for her, everyone? They love you. They really love you. How are you doing, Arlen? I'm good. How are you doing, Quincy? Well, you know what? We had so much fun before I started actually the started actual the show. <laughs> I know. I feel like we're already in, in the middle of a conversation. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. that's how it is. And yeah. And and sadly, this is actually take two of an interview that uh, uh, I messed up on last Sunday. Uh, but, but Arlen is so gracious and so good. And so amazing. Uh, and so talented. I just, lo- I just love to talk and, about myself, she, darling. Just any time. so beautiful and lovely and gracious. Uh, go on. Uh, go I'll, on. Okay, I'll keep it down. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if one were to, if, if she, she's a goddess. She's a goddess. Now, <laughs> yes. I, and now, I believe you're of German heritage, and I don't know much about the Nordic gods. But I'm going to say you certainly would have been somewhere in the halls of Valhalla. I, I would say that vocally, definitely. Now, see, that's a word that's fun to say, Valhalla. <laughs> that is 
a good word to say. As a matter of fact, that's the one religion that doesn't offend anybody when you talk about it publicly. Right. <laughs> right. How did you learn to, because that's a conversation that comes up a lot, especially with talented vocalists. Please don't be offended anybody listening to this, but I've noticed a trend. Vocalists who are talented are very focused on uh, breath control uh, technique mm -hmm. and, and the ones that aren't, it, it doesn't even like, come up. But um, you're incredibly talented. You, you've uh, performed uh, probably since, uh, what, two years ago? So you have a really long career. That's a joke. She's been around. Oh, quite a while. <laughs> I'm like, where's he going with this? Yeah, uh, my, my point is, is how did you, uh, how did you learn to take care of your voice? How did you learn to sing? Period. Well, um, it kind of started, uh, and this is, it, it started when I was like probably around five. I started really appreciating music very early, and it started with like the Beatles. But as far as like wanting to sing i would listen to um back in in the, <laughs> the 70s mm. uh re really young it was um i would listen to bet midler and uh and i would listen to her albums and i just loved i mean she is obviously very very expressive uh and does a lot of different things with her voice and she pays homage to a lot of styles you know like sort of like the andrew sisters and and sort of cabaret feel and stuff mm. like that uh, and I would listen to her albums with, you know, you know, listen to the turntable with the big um, headphones on. And I would actually, there was a, I had a little like toy um, organ and I would take the plug and I would pretend it was a microphone and I would listen and I would perform as Bette Midler, like as a kid, like I was just in my own mind, I was, I was performing and, uh, but I would listen to her voice and I'm like, what is it about her voice that makes her sound so good and I realized it was like the quiver in the voice like her voice would shake like I didn't know what it was called then mm. so I would practice going and I'm like oh, that's what's making it but then I, I worked on it and then I realized it was the vibrato and so I learned how to do that before ever being taught I just learned it because I taught myself how to do it um, and then everything else is you know over the years uh, it's, it's so much of it is breath control. It's the same as like, um, uh, you know, if you were playing a, a violin piece, like to know where you need to be before you switch the direction of the bow, uh, in a fra for phrasing or, uh, where your, your fingers are supposed to be on the piano so that you can complete a run or a phrase. Uh, and, and with the guitar as well, like where you're going to be positioning your fingers to do a run, you know. Uh, but I would say this, and I don't mean to interrupt, interrupt you, but like with the violin, most violinists who play classical music can't jump over to country and they definitely rarely jump over to hip hop. Uh, right. Same thing with guitars. You don't find like a, a dime bag, the late dime bag Dave or mm -hmm. uh, uh, James Hatfield from Metallica able to change over to a, um, a, 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 I'm trying to think of a good country singer uh, right now uh, off the top of my head, or Johnny Cash, 
style um, guitars, but you or any of like the blue, yeah, or like the right. bluegrass, so like yeah, yeah. You don't see Steve Martin able to jump over to a heavy metal band, you know. Right. He, he's right. strictly, you know, this bluegrass style. But you are different. You have a unique and strange, uncanny ability to change styles. For example, I watched and loved your barbecue pest uh, performance. <laughs> Yeah, I love, I love, I loved it. I mean, there's so many. I mean, I could gush over it all day, but we won't. But (laughs) you're just so incredibly talented. And then you go and you are able to do a sensual song. Uh, I'm going to drop all of these performances in the podcast notes below, like Temptations. And then you're able to do these classical songs. And it's like, I've never seen anyone do that. They're, they may be out there, but I've never seen it. So, you know, how? I, I, how? Think, it's an, I think it's an actor's thing, you know? Uh, I think it's, it's that's really what it is. It's, it's, pay, it's paying homage to the styles. When I imitate them, I know, the, I know you know, I, I, respect, I respect the style enough to do it accurately. For instance, um, you heard me do barbecue best. Love now it. you know what I'm trying to sound like. Yes. You and, know what I mean? It's like from yeah, that really you sound like a um first of all, I'm, my, my father's from Alabama. You know, I played yeah. I could play that track for people, my family in Alabama, they would think you were a black woman in the middle of a gospel church. Right. And when people see you, what you look like and then they hear the songs, they're like, How 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 Right. Because one of the things that I've noticed about a lot of young, uh, uh, and I, I don't want to sound racist or anything, but um, a lot of young white kids who sing soul music is they have a hard time uh, lending their, their mouths and their, their voice to this like soulful sound. And you even see it sometimes with white rappers that, you know, you kind of can quickly figure out, okay, this person comes from that side of the tracks and that person comes from the other side of the tracks. But every once in a while, you come across a John, you know, a Robin Thicke or a, uh, or a Michael McDonald or at you are mm-hmm. Arlen Walters. And then mm-hmm. you can switch styles. Like you can sing, you know, um, uh, uh, so many uh, songs. You can sing a classical song. You can sing an Americana Southern song. When I met yeah. you, you sang a country song. You sounded like uh, Johnny Cash's wife helped me out, his second wife. Oh, uh, June Carter. Thank you. You sounded like June Carter. And then what, I listened. What song did I? I'm trying to think of what song I did. Oh, don't, don't, don't test my memory. I'm, I'm on, I I'm, thought I did me and Bobby McGee. Uh, I'm, on, I, I'm on a rant here. You got to. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue. Continue. This is all scripted. I'm on a rant. My point is, you're incredibly talented. You know, and it's so, I mean, like, you can sit here and say, oh, you know, you just got to bend yourself or lend yourself. But I see so many young, and and black kids, too. You'll see young black kids who, you know, they want to sing, like, Ave Maria. And yet, they've been spending so much time singing certain gospel songs. They they have a hard time lending themselves to this the nuances of a song that's written in Italian. And it's like when I listen to you, you don't have that that problem. So, I'm I, I would like to know how and who taught you, and 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 is there is there a sacrifice emotionally as you go into these different, mm. different people? Yeah, um, I never I I don't 
as far as like just musical ability uh, and understanding music, I mean, I did study, I did study music theory, and I, I studied at the Crane School of Music in Potsdam. So I in Potsdam, New York. Now I, so I already have a base knowledge of music. A lot, you know. I don't want to say a lot because I don't really know, but I can assume that a lot that there are young people that are just imitating what they hear on the radio, which honestly, and, and I, I'm not an expert on it, but listening to some, it doesn't sound soulful to me. It sounds affected. Yes. A lot of the stuff that I hear uh, with the exception, uh, there's, there are a few exceptions, but you don't hear like Marvin Gaye anymore. You no. don't hear a Luther Vandross no. anymore. You no. don't hear an Aretha anymore. They, no. they don't exist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, everything is trying, you know, everything is, can- you know, through the can, auto-tuned, yeah. Uh, and 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 also sort of like there's like an imitation of style that's so unappealing to me, and that's listening to you know the vocal fry, yeah, <laughs> you know all that. And yeah. uh, I always said um, that you can tell a singer is a good singer uh, is a powerful and 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 committed singer if they can sing the national anthem. But not just sing the national anthem, but sing the high note mm. and don't waver from it. Mm. Because the high note, it's a hard song to sing mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter where you are, where you start it, you're going to end up on a super high note that you got to hold and sell. Now, Whitney did it. Mm-hmm. That's why it's the most famous one because she committed to it. Uh, I think she did waver on it, but she could hit the note. Well, the land of the free, and then everybody goes free mm-hmm. because they don't want to commit to it. Land of the free—that's powerful. You just hold it, keep it. So I, early on, um, you know, I I love gospel music, and I'm not a gospel person. I love the music. I love the passion of it. When um, uh, Aretha Franklin did um, You'll Never Walk Alone with the James Cleveland, Reverend James Cleveland uh, Orchestra. And I heard a recording of this back when I was still in college and it made it brought me to tears. So I actually recruited a, a choir mm-hmm. and I put them in my show and I came out and sang it note for note exactly how Aretha did it. And it just blew the house down. But the thing is, it's because I love her so much. And I gave her all the credit. I'm like, this is not, this is her. Right. You know, coming coming through me. You know what I mean? Uh, and then, you know, learning about the blues and like, and, and all sorts of stuff like that. But, but I also have like this sense of painting pictures with your voice as well. And that's what comes from seeing like sort of the standards and sort of the Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah Vaughn and Dinah Washington, you know, any of those where you're, it's like painting a picture with the song. And that's about phrasing, understanding the song well enough to know where you're going with it. Um, taking, like, I'll know that I've got to sing a song and I know that it, between these two lines, I don't want to take a breath. I just want to modulate up. So I got to take a very deep, solid breath way before I get there. 
so I can continue on. So it is. It's it, you know when when you when you're doing it raw, when you don't have the help from any electronics or anything like that, you're an artist. It's like holding the paintbrush right. in that way. So and I've gotten better at it. You know, like 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 any artist would. You learn. You learn how to make your you know use your voice so it doesn't get exhausted. Um, take care, taking care of it, uh, and all and all that. So, so it's really it, you know I mean I I I, I did study voice mm-hmm. and I had coaches and everything, but I never I never took voice lessons. I, I just did it myself. You know, like I taught myself guitar, I taught myself piano. I just taught myself how to do it. You know, but you're so good at. It. <laughs> You know that's that's, and 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 in our um, in our accidentally deleted episode, we talked about your relationship and love for Buddy Guy. Yeah, and 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 like I'm I meet I I don't want to sh- you know brag, but I probably meet for every day of the year I meet a different musician or artist. Yeah, and I've never heard anyone talk about Buddy Guy, and I definitely never heard anyone talk about appreciating the blues like you do uh they'll yeah. say oh oh i love billy holiday and you know this song's inspired by billy holiday and then they don't know anything about strange fruit and so right. you know it, but you i talked to you and just now you knew the details <laughs> i could I, if i yeah. said that to someone who claimed yeah. to love you know lady day they would have been like yeah. oh yeah right yeah ella fitzgerald no right Right. Well, oh, they were very, 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 very different. Oh my goodness. Well, like, go you know, I mean, the the fact is, like, I know, I know the artists so well that I don't necessarily, excuse me, I don't necessarily love them all because I know them so well. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. As far as like my personal taste, um, oh man, I I'm glad I'm not going to get any email comments about this or any because I'm not a big. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big Billie Holiday fan. I'm not, I appreciate what she's done. I, but I've never really cared for her style uh, in, in, in the way her voice is very pretty. I don't like her style. Her style is never singing the melody and singing. And everything is like, it's Billy, it's Billyified. Do you think that's- <laughs> so it's not, it's, you know, do you think you you you're, you 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 have a dis- I don't want to say disdain, but uh, do you think you don't like it because of how poorly it's been, you know, redone, you know, in, in terribly unimaginative ways, or just uh, you, you you because you study music, you actually understand the nuances of vocalists, right? Right. No, I no. It's literally just my own preference. It's right. not you know. And again, it's not like she hurts my ears. It's it's not that at all. It's just that, and I, I and I, I mean, I do. God bless the child during my shows, and I can't, I can't help singing it like right. her. It's hard, you know. Or if I sing a Judy Garland song, I, it's hard for me not to sing it with her inflection, right? Because I've heard it so many times. But exactly. <laughs> but yeah, you know. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to even say that I dislike her. It's just that I. Uh, the style isn't something that I, I would I would do, which is just not to sing the melody ever. It seems right, but I really do appreciate her, and obviously she and she wrote "Strange Fruit." So come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. That being said, also I'd like to. 
talk about your love and passion for Buddy Guy. And could sure. you tell this great story you told me about the first yeah. time you heard Buddy Guy? Okay. Uh, so I, up until, um, up until I was in college, this is the early 90s, I really just listened to um, the Beatles and I listened to uh, any like novelty songs, Dr. Demento stuff. I liked Manhattan Transfer, Macbeth Midler. Uh, and I even was like, at one point in the late 80s, I kind of got into industrial metal, believe it or not. And that became like a thing for me. I like listening to ministry and, and Nitzarab and all these really like hard, you know, I was, I went through a phase. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I still kind of like it. Um, I also like sort of like the um, sort of the British sort of gay gay pop like Erasure and 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 stuff like that. I used to really like that kind of stuff, Pitch Up Boys and everything. And uh, there was another thing that I really really like to listen to. It kind of went away from my mind. But uh, at any rate. Uh, I didn't know that I liked the blues until one day uh, I was going it was get, get going to classes, actually. And some friends of mine, um, actually, one of the guys, before we were having a discussion about doing a movie podcast, one of these guys is the, one of the movie guys. His name is Paul Preston. Okay. And he and, he, he and another friend, uh, two other friends, big blues guys, and they had an extra ticket. Somebody couldn't go to the Tor- Toronto... Blues Festival. We were in school um, at Fredonia, New York, which is about 45 minutes away from Buffalo. So we it was like an hour something drive to get to Toronto. So I would have to skip the day, um, give them a little bit of money, and then we were just going to take a road trip. And so I, I thought it was really... But they asked me, even though I wasn't necessarily a blues person. So that was interesting that it was me that they asked. Right. Um, so we went to go see the blues festival it was outside you know in an amphitheater um the lineup was the fabulous thunderbirds and dr john and bb king which of course i knew bb king right and then buddy guy now the thing is i didn't know who buddy guy was at all they were playing his music in the car they were playing his album damn right i got the blues and I did. I liked it. I'm like, oh, this is good. I didn't know anything about him, what he looked like. And when Buddy Guy came out, this was the early '90s, so the look was uh, he had like um, like denim overalls and a plaid shirt. This was before he was like po- he is now things like polka dots, right? Oh, really wet Jerry curl, <laughs> you know, pretty little longish, right? The biggest smile I'd ever seen, right? And when he would play. And he play, you know, he would play the Stratocaster, and he would like unplug it, and he would. And he still does that. He walks around the audience, and when he came out and sang, and played, and smiled, and was so intense and shaking his hair, and I was like, mm. my 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 jaw dropped. I I I, I, I was like, what is that? What is this? It was pure pure entertainment it was pure joy uh it was the opposite of blues to me it was happy (laughs) it was very good and i from then on it never stopped with me and him 
And I ended up becoming a groupie. Like I ended up like following him everywhere. Like I would go by myself. I would go to like Canandaigua Lake and I would go to Buffalo and I would go all these in Rochester everywhere to go and see him. And it, and it, I've been doing it ever since. And it, 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 and then it continued when I moved to Philadelphia and I've already seen him like at least three or four times uh, in different places because of theater at another blues festival in Delaware. Uh, and I just, I mean, at one point I, he, he would, I knew, you know, I would know that he was going to walk out of the audience. So I would go and prepare myself to be the first one he sees when he comes up. Like I know he's going, they don't know it, but I do. And I mean, I just could touch him. And to this day, I'm like, I wish he knew. I wish he knew. Like, it's me. It's always been me, you know. But so I became a blues person after that. And that, it sold it on me. And now, you know, I've been in, you know, I was in two blues bands in Rochester. And I did some blues in New York. And now I've been, I'm in the Deuce of Destiny, which is the longest live blues band in Philadelphia I've been in it for like oh yeah yeah uh, it's gotta be know, 18 17 18 years I guess and we're definitely gonna talk about the Dukes of Destiny but first we must go to a commercial break so when we come back we're gonna talk about the incredible Dukes of Destiny Arlen Walters and the Clash of the Titans we'll be back with more PC <laughs> questions Quinn's questions right after this Have you wondered about whether or not God was real, if a higher being exists, or you've had some experiences with God you want to share? Maybe you're just questioning it all. Well, Ordinary People, Extraordinary God, Conversations for the Soul with Janelle LaRue and Friends discusses all of these topics and asks its guests the question, when did you know God was real? So if it's you, wondering whether or not God is real, or you're wondering if that higher being exists, or you're just questioning it all, tune in and join the conversation with us on Ordinary People, Extraordinary God, Conversations for the Soul with Janelle LaRue and Friends, streaming where podcasts are available. And we are back for the second installment of our incredible interview with Arlen Walter. She's a incredible singer-songwriter, the lead singer of the Dukes of Destiny. Yeah. Arlen, what's going on? Uh, nothing. Hey, <laughs> 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 you know, this and that. So the, the Dukes of Destiny, uh, they've been around for a very long time. They started in 1985. Yes. Were you yes. a part of it then, too? Well, no, I was only about 14 years old then. <laughs> well, there are some or 15. Um, child 16. endangerment laws that would yeah. stop you from working as hard as they did. Right. <laughs> so. Right. No, and I wasn't even in Philadelphia, so yeah. No, they've been together. They were, uh, they were founded by um, uh, Steve Brown. And he was the leader of the band. It was a fantastic band that played everywhere, became, got a real reputation. Um, and he led the band up until 2000. Uh, and he passed away from cancer. And he 
when that, you know, and when that happened, people kind of thought that the, the band was done and then it didn't go away. And then John Colgan Davis, the heart player, took over as sort of like the leader of the band. I think he was doing it out of necessity, but then it just became, yes, it became sort of his his thing at that point. And I, and I joined in 2002, I think. Right when I moved to Philadelphia, I, I joined. Or I, you know, passed the audition. And kind of thing. the auditions, uh, I mean, what was it? See, oh, did you uh, see the taping? Today, auditions are lazy. People send you an email, you a link from YouTube. But <laughs> originally... Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, there something. wasn't... That wasn't... There wasn't YouTube back then. <laughs> no that, YouTube. That's really... There was no Facebook, no YouTube. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so uh, when I was... You know, when I first moved to Philadelphia, I mean, I didn't have... You know, I moved from New York City, so I didn't have a car or a job. Uh, I came down here without anything, so I ended up sort of like getting on a bus and going to Center City and getting out and just kind of pounding the pavement, looking for jobs. Um, most, you know, waitering jobs and bartending jobs because that's all I was had been doing uh, for for the for real money. And um, and in the meantime, I wanted to find out like what the music situation was down there. So I picked up uh, the Philly, the Philly Boys, which is like I guess no, no, that's it. We couldn't remember the name of the paper last time. It's the City Paper. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the name of it. That's the name of it. It just came to me now. Uh, City Paper, which is like the Village Voice. So I recognized it, and I was like, oh, this must be what the, the village, the Village Voice of Philly. So now, I now grabbed tell, one tell of the. Tell us when you open. You know, because you just you just opened an incredible part of, of Philadelphia history. When you open this paper, they would have a, like a wanted ad, right? In, in in there, and you would find jobs or odd jobs. Right, crazy. Right, this is before right. they started putting the nine seven six sex lines <laughs> in the you back of would, magazines. <laughs> that's right. You would actually go in, and you know, you could find whatever your heart desires or whatever. Good time. Um, Good time. but yeah, so I. So just like the village was, so yeah, they had a, a, a help wanted, but on the back of it, they had a billboard, which is for things like if they were looking for some, this is for Craigslist even, or, you know, you can find stuff like, on Craigslist. Uh, yeah. So I Craigslist. literally, for <laughs> like Craigslist, like, I think Craigslist is just starting or whatever, but, um, so I was, ha I went and I treated myself to a Japanese lunch and I was sitting there with my tea and I was looking at the billboard on the back and, it, and really at the bottom of the one of the columns was local blues band seeking female vocalist and that was it That's, so I circled it and when I got home I, I called it uh, and so I found out the name of the band and did my research and I realized that I mean I'd never heard of them before they were the Dukes of Destiny and then I was like and they're a big they're a big deal like they are a big, they played a lot of places. They've opened for big artists. I'm like, this is like not a joke. This isn't like somebody's basement band. So I, so what I did was I wrote a wrote them an email and I titled it your new singer. Uh, I had also called the number and the number ended up being for the guitar player, uh, Richard Ray Adler. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't really recall which came first out of the email, but the, in the email I wrote, 
I titled it Your New Singer because that it was literally like you don't have to look any further. I'm the one you want. I, I was that confident about it. Uh, and so, and then I gave a brief description and then I didn't hear from them again. Like that was it. They never, never contacted me again That's cool. until, until three months later, I got an email or a phone call saying that they wanted me to come and audition. So I found out later on what, the, what had happened is that Rich, that Ray, Richard Ray had actually put the ad in unbeknownst to anybody else in the band and he didn't run it by them first. So there was no talk about having a girl in the band. It was something he wanted to do. He thought it would be good to, to freshen up the band and live, liven it up and <clears throat> bring some more attention back to the band that had been lacking a little bit since Steve Brown had passed. But not, none of the other guys had agreed to that. So <laughs> that was going on in the meantime. So I found that out later. Three months later, I got an audition. They gave me some songs to learn. Uh, and I went to one of their rehearsals and I sang the songs. And then the second part of the audition was the next night they were ha- they had a gig at um, uh, Casey's Alley in um, in Ambler, PA. And uh, I went to the gig and there were two other women there too. I guess that they were also auditioning. Um, and so the idea was to get up and perform the songs in front of an audience to see how you would do with the audience. <clears throat> now I ended up getting up and doing Nadine, uh, Chuck Berry, Na- Chuck Berry's Nadine, which mm-hmm. is uh, the band does it. I don't even sing it now. I sing backing vocals, but but I did it, and I got the whole audience really, really involved. I mean, I had them singing along with me. It just was like hand in glove, very easy. And the band is so good. Like the band is, they, I mean, they pay attention. They, they, you know, they're so good at paying attention to what's going on. And so I felt very comfortable with them. So it went both ways. Well, anyway, the next day I got an email and it was from John Colding Davis. And the title of the email was Our New Singer. <laughs> so he just responded in kind and he said, we'd like, we'd love to have you in the band if you'll have us. And so, and that's how it began. So that was in the band. And a year later, we had a CD. I was on a CD with them. Uh, we had our CD release party at the now defunct Warm Daddies, which just went out of business because of COVID. Uh, and that was back when they were still on Front Street. So we had like the whole day and they we rent, you know, had the whole place to ourselves and had the CD release party. It was a big, big hit. So, so that's that. And history was made at that point. And history was made. Now, the thing I love about you is how terribly underestimated you are, and then how you shut us all up, and you you, you have a, um, a shock value vocal <laughs> that when when someone see it's jarring. It's it's uh, it's it's like an impact from a thirty five mile an hour car accident. And it's um, it's like when you're driving 35 miles an hour on a, on like say Lincoln Drive, and then you hit something and <laughs> it's like oh, you know, Ooh, you hit a pothole. Yeah, and and, 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 and yeah, it yeah, f's your car up. <laughs> yep, it sure do. That's what you do vocally. You 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 have this. And and, and 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 I am saying this, and this, and, and to those who are listening, they're like, "Oh, please!" But I'm going to leave the uh, 
barbecue best uh, performance in the uh, in the podcast notes and uh, maybe even play some of it during the episode. But you're Ooh. going to see what I'm talking about because she's just in such an incredible vocalist. You know, do you enjoy being underestimated? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It's like, and in fact, <laughs> I, I do play it. I play it up too. Like for instance, you know, I'll come out and I'll do uh, Doctor Feel Good, and at the end of it, you know, I hold out this note for two minutes, and it's like just bringing the just bringing it down, bringing the house down, oh, yeah! Ooh, whatever it is, and then I go, thank you, <laughs> demurely, thank you, everybody. Yeah. You know, that, that's why it's so important for young people to learn how to sing, especially from someone like you, because, you know, all of us deal with snooty, talented vocalists, but there's no one like you. And that's the joy. And 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 and, and you, you have a skill and a talent that when when you teach it to someone, you know, they become this like unstoppable force, just like you are. Because you don't, mm. you want people to sing as good and better than you. You're not like some vocal teachers who are like, you'll never be as good as me. But you have this this passion to see correct technique and form. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it makes me cringe when I see people or hear knowing that it could be better if they just had the knowledge. I mean, like I said, that vocal fry stuff, that's oh. bad. It's bad for your voice. That Britney Spears and everybody does it. I don't know who started it. I don't know who started it, but a Britney. I think that was a Britney. Yeah. I did it again. Feeling my heart. That kind of voice. And then Christina Aguilera did it, and she has a great voice. Why do the vocal cry? It's it's unnecessary. Not necessary. Um, I think also, and this is my opinion about the, the, the perverted and evil music industry, uh, it's full of old men who are turned on by younger women doing things that they shouldn't do uh, to turn them on. And yeah. this is why I think some producer was like, oh, I like that, baby, that's how it turns me on, sing that style again. But it's like, that's that's not that's not something she can do for a 90-day a tour or a 90 concert tour every year that's 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 something you can joke with with friends on a guitar but that's not something you can do and you're you're absolutely right it affected so many young women because i would go to the open mics and so many young people were doing covers of britney spears and it was sad right right and like what are you gonna do when you're 40 (laughs) you're gonna still sing like that no that sounds like it's like a baby doll it's sounding like like baby doll uh, I cringe I cringe at it you know there, that and the that and the word amazing I don't want to hear it ever again in my life I'll, ever again I'm putting down in the notes right now did I say amazing no you didn't you didn't and you know why because I know you did. I know that you didn't <laughs> I know you didn't because if I heard it I would have known that you said it well, it's funny because some music vocalists hate exposure. Do you hate exposure? The word exposure too? Expo- uh, well, nobody ever offered me a gig just for exposure. They wouldn't dare. Right, gotcha. 
So you know, I'm strictly for the money. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, what made amazing such a bad word for you? It started um, early, like in the early 2000s. I started notice, like sort of noticing it a little bit, Mm -hmm. and then there was like a, a Verizon commercial. And it's, oh, it's amazing. The service is amazing. Everything is amazing, 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 amazing. And then I noticed that it was like every show, all the reality shows. Oh, that's amazing. Everything. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres, she still does it. Amazing. That's amazing. Then Jimmy Kimmel did a bit. And I was like, okay, I'm not alone. He did a bit where it was either like a red carpet show where they put they counted the the word amazing and it was like a ticker tape and it was like over a hundred times these they said your dress is amazing this is amazing or a or a batch the bachelorette everything was amazing amazing and it made me laugh I'm like see I was right it's because nobody people have gotten dumb like people don't know how to use <laughs> they, they it's just everything has been dumbed down for people yes. that they don't have to think of a different word and nobody corrects anybody anymore i'm also kind of a grammar nazi so it makes me like not a fun person in that way right right. (laughs) i love grammar nazis and i'll tell you why because of this broadcast i need to speak better and i like what you're doing (laughs) yeah no i'm sorry it's just it is like you know it is. It is kind of like, yeah, not. It's it's not friendly, but it is. It, does, it is annoying. There was even an, a Verizon commercial where the grammar was so bad that I had to like kind of point it out. I'm like, did anybody notice like the complete and utter shamble of a sentence within that Verizon commercial? It was like nobody even cares. I was thinking I should go into proofreading. You know no, what I mean? I, I, I think you're in the right place. Where I'm, I'm about to talk about you um, about being a vocal instructor and teacher. Because yeah. that's the fact that you point out these flaws are things yeah. that hinder young people and you know people my age who want to sing from developing because you know we've grown used to it and it's so common and and right. and, 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 and are some of our uh, one hit wonders they get away with yeah. it because well right. they're not going anywhere and right. people right. are praised for it and it's good yeah. that you point that out and to someone who hasn't been had their flaws or certain aspect of their speaking or singing uh technique pointed out as wrong that can be offensive and they can say oh she's such a hard teacher but anybody who knows how to sing will say arlen walters is the way to go so yeah as you uh teach music i mean talk to us about that because i really really am am am, i'm like my brain is turned on lit up like a Christmas tree by the fact that you're this music teacher and I know how good you really are. So, you know, what, what's it like to, to, to be as good as you are and and, and, and and then have to convince people you're doing this wrong and, and, and they're like, oh, she's mean. She hurts my feelings, mom. I don't want to talk to her no more. You know, what, what's that? <laughs> well, the thing is what's funny is that you're setting up a scenario where I'm sort of like telling people how they're doing it wrong. But the thing is I teach preschoolers, so I'm not doing that. Yeah, no. Doing that to little kids. They can't but, they can uh, do no wrong. Kids can do no wrong. <laughs> but eventually you're gonna run into that sixteen year old who right. has been listening to uh right. Kayliani, I think I pronounced her name wrong. Um and another 
I don't even know who's out now as vocalist. Um, I don't. I don't know. That's weird. That's weird. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. No, like I said, yeah, like I said, there's nobody that that isn't like overproduced. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. And and again, like I'm sounding like back in my day, we didn't have autocorrect or we didn't have a uh, pitch correct or whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, but um, no, I do. I, I what I do, and it's fulfilling as well. I I do a music enhancement program for for preschoolers, and usually it's like infant to about five or six years old, and and depending on the age, it, to make it age appropriate, um, the idea is to help develop their brain early by through music. Um, I mean, and it is it is. A, a mental exercise for developing minds. Um, not only that, not only tone, but but language, um, rhythm, dynamics. All those things exercise the brain. So, when I say it's an, a music enhancement program, it's helping them to learn better and in, 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 in as they grow as they grow. So, and it's also a heck of a lot of fun because. I'm, you know, a 52-year-old woman that still, you know, stomps around like a dinosaur and clucks like a chicken every day. Like, that's my job. <laughs> you know, I love doing animal noises. And I get to do it. And these little kids just eat it up. And they're fun. And, and I have to say, since... COVID happened, um, you know, I was teaching every day. I had uh, an an independent contractor, so I had a bunch of different schools, but when COVID hit, I lost a lot of them. Now they're starting to kind of come back, but only in dribs and drabs with very, you know, limited, like like I've been doing like out, you know, doing it outdoors when the weather's okay, and if the weather's not okay, I'm not teaching that day. So um, that kind of thing. But seeing my kids, seeing these kids after not seeing them for months and being sort of like pretty much unemployed, uh, it was like a tonic for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because, first of all, they're handling this pandemic better than most adults. Right. I, know, I noticed these children wear their masks. They wear them, and they have Spider-Man masks, and they have Elsa masks. I mean, they wear it, like, with style, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and they're fine with it. Um, so we have to be fine with it. Like, you know what I mean? And it's hard It's hard to sing and everything with a mask on, but I do it. Right. Uh, and it's hard, and it's also hard because a lot of my, a lot of part of the whole music enhancement program is actually my facial expressions. Right. You know what I mean? Like if I'm doing an angry spider, I got to make my face look cranky. And you can't see my face. So it's, it's harder. But they, the joy that they get and the creativity that's involved is so refreshing and fun. I mean, the other day we were outside. So we were imitating the trees that were all the leaves were changing color. So we became the trees and we were blowing in the wind and you know, it was, we were jumping in a fake pile of leaves, you know, just that is, that is a great tonic to be around, to be around that, you know, so I'm lucky, I'm very, 
very fortunate, lucky, you know, that I can do it. You know, it's not, not everybody can do that, you know, and I didn't know that I could. I don't have kids, but I've been doing it for over 10 years now, so... Well, on that note, let's take a moment to reintroduce you. I'm with Arlen Walter. She's an incredible singer, songwriter out of Philadelphia. She's also a vocal teacher of music. She's a musician. She can teach you anything. She taught me <laughs> how to uh, defuse a bomb. She's, she's, I was in a movie, Hurt Locker. This is a joke. <laughs> but we'll be back with more PSA questions right after this. Matt here, co-host of Through the Draft Line, your podcast converging craft beer and creativity. We interview and host performances with some of the best up-and-coming artists that New England has to offer, and we do it over their favorite craft beer. Come have a listen as we discuss the struggles of being an independent artist, explore writing philosophies, shed light on the equity and lack thereof in music scenes, and much, much more. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on Instagram at DraftLinePod. Cheers! This is Quincy Stallworth. I'm here for the third and final countdown. With- <laughs> it's the final countdown. <laughs> now, did you check and make sure that we're recording? Well, yes, we are recording. Thank God. I never stopped the recorder. I never stopped it. You know why? my lesson the first time i don't think you, you uh-huh. i think as gracious as you are you'll say you know what Quincy, you need to get your life together <laughs> call, <laughs> call me next you year. know <laughs> yeah 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 that's that's what you'll say uh now i'm gonna have the final countdown in my head for the rest of the day yeah i know it's 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 on the third part it's okay it's okay though because for some reason you know uh just so everybody knows we were supposed to do this um, interview a couple of weeks ago. We were scheduled to do it on October 9th, but I ended up in the hospital for a few days. Nothing major. I had to get some stones taken out because I mm. eat stones usually. I like to eat stones. <laughs> uh, and for some reason, when I was in the hospital, the, this is the song that was in my head. Now, I hadn't heard it. it I don't think I heard it in passing, but the song was... If you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never make the pretty woman your wife. And it's my personal point of view. Get an ugly girl to marry you. Do you know that song? That, that, yes, I know that song. And now, why was that in my head? I mean, I, I'm on the I, toilet. I don't, I don't, if you want to be happy for the rest of your own life with an IV out my arm. The strangest oh, time tunes flood my mind. I, it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I used to wake up and sing Huey Lewis in the news. And they'd be like, Uh-oh. don't take money, don't take pain. I don't, I just be like, don't take no credit card to ride. It is, it's right. Yeah, it's just crazy. I don't, I don't uh, know. I know, but I want a new drug. Is, I want a new drug is a little bit more. Want a new drug. Oh my God. Want a ball in the sick? Oh, sing it. <laughs> you ever hear, uh, you ever hear, uh, I want a new duck by Weird Al Yankovic? I've, I, you know, Weird Al, I, I got a weird. You got, I know. I feel like Weird Al is is 
with the exception of, I think he desecrates the 80s. And I think everybody was okay with it. I took the 80s too serious. I was way too serious in the 80s. I was <laughs> I loved music in the 80s. Yeah. And, and people would people would bring over Weird Al. I kid you not. People would bring over their Weird Al Yankovic albums. And yeah. would, I would, they would put them on play. And I'd pick them up off the thing, put them back in the, in the sleeve. And give them <laughs> back to them. And I, didn't, I didn't like him. Until he, oh. he until he did the Coolio thing, and that yeah. then I was like, he's oh, a I'm, genius. I'm <laughs> paradise. Yeah, I was like, I'm he's gonna a have genius. to get medieval on your hiney. <laughs> I was like, he's a genius, but for some yeah. reason, I was just like, you know, and, and, oh. and, and I think he did imitation of the Talking Heads, which for me was like, no. <laughs> was like, he did. Yeah, I think he did like a Talking Heads thing, and then. I know he did. I think he did a Phil Collins thing, and I was like serious about those guys, man. He I did. Was, um, he did a uh, uh, Living in America, the James Brown. Oh, that's funny. Living yeah. with, well, James Brown version with, sounds like a, yeah. a crazy version. <laughs> James Brown oh music to me sounds like joke <laughs> music. Is Jamaican when your mom's, you know, yeah. <laughs> when you're in the bathtub? <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> It was not James Brown music. Just see, I mean, he, he was he was like, well, they, I mean, he's a legend. Let me get that out first. But yeah. his music has always sounded like this guy was just seeing how long he can get away with this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is a man's world. I was like, you know, we did the, we the Duke of Destiny did this is a man's world, but I sang it. Really? It's better when it's a better when a woman sings it. Oh yeah. It's, it's, there's something about a woman singing those exact this is a man's world but it don't mean nothing nothing without a woman or a girl I you know like, that music like if, <laughs> if you hear a woman singing it it's different you know you're absolutely right and yeah i think some, yeah i think maybe amy winehouse might have done it but i thought i was the first one but it ended up like i wasn't <laughs> speaking of amy winehouse let's uh, you talked about a uh, vocal fry I, she's another artist who when she came out so i saw so many kids imitating her at the open mic scene and i mean the suburban open mic scene is is, is basically saturated with pop songs so someone will hear right it's top 40 yeah crap. yeah and yeah. so i would go to these open mics in the city there's more originality people you know a lot of these uh, college students and students from temple shout out to temple jazz program uh they would play um music and by the way you know it was it was just crazy but like it was something terrible about the amy winehouse sound while i did love amy winehouse's music watching people imitate it it, it made me uh hate when people did covers of it do you have that same experience with artists who are popular in the top 40s or something <laughs> is it just me um you know i never ever ever was I was never currently, how do I put this? I never liked top 40 music until it wasn't top 40 anymore. You, yeah. you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It was never, even when, you know, there's stuff that came on the eighties that I was like, this is garbage. Yeah. But like now I'm like, Oh, that was great. That was a great yeah. song. Yeah. You know, like, so nothing, I never heard. And, and again, and getting back to Amy Winehouse, Amy Winehouse was imitating people too. So that, Talk you know, Amy Winehouse, but she was, she had inherently a very good singing voice. Yes. Like there was nothing. I mean, she, that's why she could do all that stuff live 
I mean, and she didn't she sing with like Tony Bennett? Like I, I mean, she. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, she and I mean that rehab song is a fluke. Yeah. She sings. She sings the standards, or she sang. Yeah. The standards, and she could do it. You know what I mean? And uh, so I never really can. I you know I know people that try to sing like Adele. Um, Again, Adele has. That's a conversation we're gonna do after this episode because okay. we'll, we'll do our like our fake goodbye and then we'll talk some more but adele okay. is another one who i think ruined so many young women's voices and not just adele um i'm gonna go i'm going forward with this we'll go ahead and do this uh jill scott also destroyed a lot of young uh black women's careers because mm-hmm. so many young black women heard jill scott and just focused on the jill and beyonce focused on the Jill Scott Beyonce vocal tone. And they seem to misunderstand is, yes, you can learn to sing just like Jill Scott, but don't be angry when we don't come out to watch you sing like Jill Scott or Beyonce. Right. And, and that's, that's right. That's, that's, you know, I think that it ruined a lot of people's lives because they threw themselves into something like Beyonce and Jill Scott. But I'm not buying. I'm not paying thirty-seven dollars and ten cents to see a, a variation of Beyonce. I'd rather pay right. three hundred dollars to see Beyonce. Right. So. Unless it's a review, like like we talked about this in the in the the Phantom interview. The Phantom they, interview. you know, I had talked. I I had talked about perhaps doing tribute shows in that case tribute is one thing but see tribute is see see i i i I, see because i i guess there's so so many parallels that it may seem like you know one thing which which is not another but see you 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 are never on that you're never in that i'm driving this person's lane there but but some young people what they try to do they try to they they take an artist's um, pathway as a map and then yeah. they say okay so um, for example I remember being in an acapella singing group I was a baritone by the way anyone who uh, yeah I love baritone, baritone. acapella Barit- you know I'm yep, really baritone's good at my it. favorite <laughs> but, we'll talk about baritone sometime too because I have a few favorites but go ahead all right but I remember the guys were trying to map out the group behind boys the men and so they started listening to people boys to men listen to. Suddenly everybody's got, we had to listen to a lot of Take Six, which I love Take Six, but they were listening to a lot of Take Six and a lot of um, New Edition. And they were hoping by listening to New Edition and Take Six, they could combine and create a new sound. But it doesn't work that way. No. And and that's sadly what I see happening behind the Amy Winehouse, Jill Scott, um, um, uh, Beyonce, I see people see. Oh, so Beyonce's mom helped her out. So I got to get my mom more involved. And you're like, no, you know, you have to go your own path. Now, if you want to yeah. do a tribute, if you want to do a tribute Beyonce performance, fine, right? But that other thing, no, no, <laughs> no. But you well, people, people aren't willing to put in the work. I mean, I, and I'm, I'm not, and I'm guilty of that. Like it's. I don't like practicing. I don't enjoy it. I don't even really like looking for new music. And that's weird because mm-hmm. I always, uh, before I started doing it for a living, like now it's my job. I enjoy performing. Like that don't even get me wrong. And I enjoy, it's just, 
uh, I associate it with work now. And I never used to be like that. Like I would listen. It was my escape. Right. You know, like I, like you know, in a dark room with the headphones on, pretending I was, dude. Sometimes I would pretend I was like playing bass for Queen. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I, it doesn't matter. Like I would just be in the band that was I was listening to and performing. But uh, it's it's dis, it's discipline to to practice. You know, but it's a, it's a cliche. Practice makes perfect. It doesn't even make perfect. It just it's it, it's it's good. It's, it's work morale. It's like you're respecting, you're respecting your art. You're expecting, respecting the music to make it right. And you can, there aren't, there aren't, there just simply aren't any shortcuts. You can hit the lottery, you know, and be discovered. You know, I just read an article about keyboard cat, about that phenomenon of keyboard cat, where it was just like an accident that that became a famous meme. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's like that, you know, you can't possibly, go and do and say well I'll, I'll do it exactly the way they did it and it'll work for me too otherwise we'd all do it <laughs> you know it, it, uh, you touched on another point which is hard work and I remember hearing the origin story about um, Tony Braxton's career and Tony Braxton's mm -hmm. career only got set off because Anita Baker was like um, they were trying to throw so many, so much music on Anita Baker that she was like, "Hey, why don't y'all take this over to that new girl? You know, the one people say sound like me, which we all yeah. know Braxton doesn't sound like Anita Baker." And so, no, I love Anita Baker though. That's why they started taking yeah. songs to Tony Braxton. These new because Anita was going more jazz as, as people forget. Right. Her, her, she started off jazz and her career went. She always had that smooth jazz. Yeah. So it, it, oh. she, she wanted to stay, and, and her fans just just were so uh, uh, attentive, and they wanted more of Anita Baker, and they wanted more of what Anita was doing. And so the songs they were bringing to Anita was like the um, she uh, the first song they brought to Anita was the song that went on the Boomerang soundtrack, "Love Should Have Brought You Home." And so that's the song that Anita was like, why don't y'all take these songs to that new young girl who, who wants to get be on the Braxton? Because she was in that group with her sisters, the Braxton, which didn't do well. We all know that history. And But uh, Tony worked hard. Tony worked so hard that an opportunity presented herself, presented itself through Anita just turning down a song. And yeah. you, I don't hear stories like that anymore because, you know, Tony wasn't like, oh, I'll just... Do you jazz like Anita Baker? Oh, Anita sang over there. Oh, I'll sing over there. If no, Anita, right, yeah. right. So that's, that's right. That's right. Like you said, you know, it's hard yeah, yeah. work. It is. Yeah. It is. There's a here's a story. Um, I didn't tell this to you on the in the Phantom interview. I forgot about it actually. <laughs> tell me. Um, so uh, Janis Joplin. Okay, uh, I do a pretty decent Janis Joplin impression. I mean, in every way, like not just singing, but her, her mannerisms acting because I actually played her in a show. Um, but the story is it was an accident that I ended up getting the part. Uh, it was when I was still living in Rochester and um, there was a theater called Downstairs Cabaret. Uh, right, right in the heart of of the city of Rochester, and I, a friend of mine, was like sort of running the program, and they needed people, uh, a wait staff to like just bring drinks to the people sitting at the tables. It was because it was a cabaret, uh, and so bring drinks and maybe a dessert, and that's all you. And so I kind of did that. I, I 
I was working in the staff. And so every night I saw the show, the show was called Beehive. And Beehive uh, is still around. It's, it's, it's a 60s girl group musical review. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's all, you know, so it's all women and it goes through the 60s and they, and, you know, they touch on like Dusty Springfield and, you know, Mar- Martha and the Vandellas and even earlier and, and all these different people, Tina Turner, they do Aretha Franklin, but they end the show with a Janis, with Janis Joplin, like the whole tone of the thing changes because that's when music changed was when it wasn't beehives anymore, but that natural, no makeup, hippie, no bra look. Right. So that's how they end the show. And it's a big it's a big event when Janice comes out. So I had been watching the show, you know, every night and really loving it and loving the cast and knowing exactly how they did it. And then my friend Bruce, who was running it, says, you know, the the girl, Andrea, that plays Janice, she's got to she goes, she has to she can't do it this one weekend. He goes, I think you should audition. Hmm. And I did. And so what ended up happening is she, you know, all the women play different parts. So at one point I'm I actually saying do right woman, do right man with the character that was playing Aretha Franklin. We did it as a duet. She sang natural woman. And I sang that we did it as sort of like a back and forth. So I had to do that. And then, and I had like go, go boots on and a mini dress and all that stuff. And then, it, and then that, that actor would go backstage and wipe off all her makeup and put on a wig with feathers and, you know, and she would just come out and she was Janice Joplin. Mm. So uh, I ended up auditioning for them. Uh, and I auditioned with the girl that I was going to re- be replacing. And she, I mean, they said right away, they're like, we don't have to hear it. Because I went home and I learned how to sing and act like Janice Joplin. I put the work in. I, not, I bought a wig and walked around the house with it. Um, I listened to her albums. I listened to exactly how, where she put it in her voice to make it that signature sound. I taught myself how to do it so that I would get, get the part. And I got the part because I put the work in. Um, and then the woman was also like, you know, drink a lot of Southern Comfort, smoke a lot of cigarettes. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, so, um, Is that really hard work? Is that really hard work? <laughs> yeah. I, dr- I drank some Southern Comfort. I smoked some cigarettes. I kept it, I kept it real. That sounds like so, Mark, um, Mark Wahlberg studying for Boogie Nights. You're yeah. like, really? Is that really hard work, Mark? <laughs> really? Right. It's, or like Marathon Man, Dustin Hoffman, like going for like days straight without sleeping. And Lawrence Olivier is like, son, why don't you just try acting? <laughs> yeah. yeah, really that hard. You know? uh, so, and then I ended up doing, but now to this day, like, I I can do, and that's why I think when I met you, I think I actually did do me and Bobby McGee. I think I played it on your guitar and yes. and did the whole and I did uh, Mercedes Benz, which is you know, oh Lord, won't buy me a Mercedes Benz. You get everybody like sort of mm-hmm. singing along with it. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so that's so that's what I mean about like hard, you know, putting in the hard work so that you get. And I only did it for a weekend, but yeah. it was it was so. I mean, I sat at the edge of the audience the edge of the stage and I was talking to the audience as, as Janice you know and it was it, it was surreal actually it was pretty surreal well you know let me take another moment to reintroduce you because this interview was so incredible that I don't want it to stop so I'm going to add a fourth section to this we're going to do another commercial break we'll be back with more Arlen <laughs> Walters with
Your brand is operating on your behalf 24 hours a day and brand consistency builds confidence. At 1030 Designs, we help you build brand confidence by creating cohesive logos, social media posts, websites, and marketing materials so your audience knows who you are at a glance. We're here to help and we're ready to get busy for you. Visit us at 1030designs.com today. That's 1030designs.com. Hello, everyone. This is Quincy Stallworth, and I'm back with my good friend Arlen Walters. We have been talking obsessively. Obsessively. Uh, is, is oh, she wants me to sleep. She must have of those off there. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. You've never used that one on yeah. me, the laugh button. Yeah. She, she, she was uh, dozed off. Um, yeah. The, the, these are the, the final five questions. Uh, okay. This interview was turned into a very pleasurable tea party. Yeah. <laughs> All I was yep. missing was some crimpets and some uh, English tea. Cucumber sandwiches yeah. with the crust cut off. Yes. <laughs> So, where have you been hunkered down since this pandemic began in November of 2016? <laughs> <laughs> right. Back in the early 80s. Yeah. We're, we're, it, seems, um, it seems like this has been, been forever. I've been home uh, over in Elkins Park. And what's good is that um, my significant other, Ira, is actually, he's working from home. He sells um, high-end um audio file equipment, you know, stereos and speakers and stuff like that. He's really, really good at it. So every day he's been working. So at this point I could sell high end audio and speakers because <laughs> I've heard the pitch a lot. Um, I, you know, I've just been sort of hanging out. It's been hard because yeah. when I'm not doing music, I should actually be doing music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. you know, uh, so it's been, it's been, it's been kind of weird. I mean, I was able to get out and see, I was able to see some friends that I know they were COVID safe. Uh, I actually went camping in upstate New York, way, way, way upstate New York. Um, actually visited my old college crane, uh, crane school of music at Potsdam. That's how far North I was. Um, mm. but I've also had a couple of gigs. I played, um, uh, the Cosmic Cafe uh, down in Center City by the Art Museum. So it was a you know very nice afternoon. Uh, I was outside in the Deer Garden and I sang for three hours with a mask on. So that was mm. interesting. Um, but I got to sing Sir Duke for the first time, which was really a lot of fun. And I actually brought brought more people to the yard with my Sir Duke. And uh, and then I've also been doing remote. Uh, you know, I also sing at senior centers. That's another source of income for me is, is that I go and I uh, sing at senior centers, but they've been so affected by COVID. It's really, really less, less so with the kids, more so with them because it's such a self-contained, you know, situation that when one person gets sick, just everybody gets sick. So they're, uh, I've done outside 
like on their patio and actually put speakers out and just played to the buildings so people could come out onto their balconies and I would sing to them. Um, I also have been doing like sort of closed circuit TV. Like they all have like one place that they have a chapel and I would go into the empty chapel and get on the stage and I would do my program to a camera that was in, like when they were, they would ever have services that, have, you know, a people that couldn't actually attend physically could actually attend the services by watching it on, on, on their TV. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing that and that's been good. And, you know, when I go there, uh, you know, they're very careful and they take my temperature and, you know, and so it's, it's all, you know, very carefully executed. I also did a program for um, the Bryn Mawr, rehab hospital um that was actually done at a friend of mine had uh, my friend uh buddy cleveland actually has a whole setup uh for doing live entertainment and so we he had like lights and multiple cameras you can actually see that on youtube that whole concert if you feel like it uh so because he just put it on there but so i've been able to here and there get stuff so but what needs to happen now which everybody else seems to be doing except for me. I, I, I is doing the, you know, virtual concerts, you know, and putting out a tip jar and all that stuff. Uh, just got to get it together. I mean, I'm not sure exactly what I want to do. And I could also do it for the kids as well. You know, do, do kids programs as well. Right. Yeah. And I did a concert on my front lawn twice. Really? For the neighbors. Yeah. For the neighbors brought the whole sound system out. Uh, sang the tracks once and then another time me and Ira I went out with the guitar and he came out with his drum hand drum and we did a, a concert for an hour and it was live streamed so that's awesome yeah so what have you learned about yourself that you didn't know uh, before this whole pandemic I've learned to not sweat the small stuff Um, I, you know, doing what I do, you know, everything and, and needs to be, you know, I can't make any mistakes. I can't, you know, uh, it's a fear that everybody has, but it's like, you don't, if you don't try, you know, if you don't try and fail, you're never going to, you're never going to succeed. You know, you have to, um, so there's, you know, you have to learn to reach out. And that's another thing too, is to now that I'm, we're forced to like not be around other people, it's all I really want to do is be around other people. And I'm, and I'm really, I'm actually pretty shy when it comes to socializing, which is weird because considering that my business is look at me, look at me, look at me, you know? Um, so it's been like contacting people that I haven't talked to in a really long time. Like all my friends in Rochester, who I hadn't seen or talked to in 20 years, we were doing Zoom calls like all the time, like, oh my God, you know, reminiscing and talking. And and it's been great. It's like, just like being, you know, being in touch with, how are you doing? You know, it's, it's, it's odd that it's, it's almost like just out of necessity because I'm not getting any other kind of stimulation. If I don't have my audiences and I don't have my kids, what, what do I got? Right. You know, and it, it doesn't have to always be, and I'm still learning this, it doesn't always have to be that I have to be performing in order for 
to have any kind of like human interaction. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, it's a, it's a way of um not thinking about yourself all the time. Right. Right. Uh, you know, um, in uh, you know, I, I'm a Nietzsche and Buddhist, so uh, that's Tina Turner, Nam Yoho Rengekyo. Okay. And uh, and one of the tenets of Nietzsche and Buddhism is is helping others, like in order it, to achieve happiness. But you don't, you know, it's not like going through a bunch of different lives, like a lot of Buddhism that you study. It, it, Nietzsche and Buddhism means you you can achieve Buddhism, which is enlightenment or or pure happiness in this lifetime. And the way that you do it is by recognizing the inherent Buddhism in everybody around you. You know, uh, it's like you, you respect it. Like when you, when you say Nam Myoho Rengeki, you're, you're respecting the goodness in somebody else. So when you help others, you're helping yourself. You know, if you think about others, it can only bring you joy. So it's not a self-centered thing. If you know, if you know what I mean, it's pretty simple. It's not, it's not nothing really that profound about that, but that's really kind of what it is. Yeah. You know, and it's hard, it's hard when you're, you know, I'm not talking about me specifically, but you know, when you're, when people are in a situation like this, people get very depressed because they don't, you know, they're forced to kind of just be by themselves or whatever, you know, tough, it's tough, you know, and luckily, and I hate to say this, since we're all in it together, there is a sense of community about it. It's Mm -hmm. like, man, I'm having a tough time. Well, everybody is. Yeah. Everybody is. You know, it's not, the world's been going on without you. That's not what's happening, you know. Has the shutdown helped you and the, 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 the lack of work? Has it caused you to develop a deeper relationship with Ira and also shed off some toxic relationships that you might have had via Facebook? Um, well, yeah, it's been, it, it can be, you know, luckily Ira and I get along really, really well. Uh, but we also, you know, we've been respecting each other's need to kind of, if we need to kind of just be apart for a little bit, like I'll, I'll go and go for a long walk or I'll go and go, I'll actually drive somewhere. Like I'll go up to New York for a week or two sometimes. Uh, and, and he's also learned now to, you know, he understands that sometimes like hearing him at work all the time is tough. So he, now he's like shuts the door, like he's very respectful of it. So, you know, we're in tune to each other in that way, which is good. And after all this time, we still get along. Like we don't fight. I don't think we've ever fought in, you know, the whole time we've been together. So, you know, we can get, we can get, t- you know, tit, 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 touchy, touchy. Yeah, you can get testy with people. Testy, testy, yeah. Um, but, you know, you when know, we love each other, you know, the idea yeah. of fight is different. Like, you might have a debate. You know, some people's yeah. definition of fight is literally a knockdown fight. <laughs> You're like, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I've had, I mean, I've been in relationships like that. Yeah. I mean, not not physical, but, yeah. you know. What yeah. the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. you know, You're that, like, no. That kind of thing. That's not even you know? necessary. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. No, and that's. The thing is that Ira is a very yin to my yang kind of thing. Right. You know, uh, you know, I can be pretty wild and, you know, and, and he's very zen and very chill and he can sit and, and, you know, he sits in the lotus position with his long legs and he can sit there 
and just be quiet. And I can sit there and go, dude, I can't, I can't stand this. <laughs> I need some stimulation. I need to do something. And yeah. You know. So he, he cools me down a bit. You know, he, he cool, he cools me down. He's very, very much like that. You know, he grounds me in a lot of ways. So. Awesome. What can we as fans do to support you and your music? Do you have like a Patreon thing that people can send money to? You should start one. No, <laughs> no. I mean, I have a Venmo thing, but I haven't done anything worth giving me money for yet. You know what I mean? Like when I do. Whoa, you might grab it. You might. When I put the match in here and my buddy was in here, you might grab it. Yeah, you know, I'll send you a song. We'll send, you know, she'll send you a song. You send her money, you'll send them a song. <laughs> Actually, that's a good idea. Yes. <laughs> like, like, dial a song. Yes. Remember, like, dial a joke? Like, we call it entertainment. Style joke, yeah. Yeah, kids kids were getting whipped for that sort of uh, yep. phone bill when they whipped kids. <laughs> when they whipped kids. Whipped them with the, with, the, with the phone cord that was hanging from the wall that you, you had to stretch out. When your hardworking blue-collar parents came home to a $900 phone bill, you know, standing <laughs> in the corner was not the thing to do. <laughs> That's right. Oh my goodness. That's right. You know, it was the, it was the the horror of the the impending hit yeah, was, was worse than because I never really got hit, but right. I was threatened. Like, yeah. I mean, the scariest it ever was was once my mom got so mad that she brought out the wooden spoon and then cracked it on the side of the bathtub, and I, and it didn't hit me; it broke it. But that was enough. I mean, it, I felt it anyway. It, <laughs> you know, I'm like, it, okay. It's like, I, I need to stop. As a kid, you say, I need to stop doing this foolishness. But you, you find out, man, I am bound and in love with foolishness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know throwing rocks at windows of abandoned houses and warehouses are wrong. But there's nobody here. So I'm going to throw this rock. <laughs> There's also things like I remember doing stuff that nobody told me it was wrong, even though somehow I knew it was. Like, and I'm like, until somebody t- tells me different, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, my sister and I would get into little bits of trouble like that, you know, yeah. uh, until, until, you know, and then like, no, you can't do that. Yeah. But that's another, that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother story. A whole nother. What, what's next for you, Arlen? What's next? Uh, I'm going to go down to the park because they have goats down there at uh, the park. I'm going to look at the goats. <laughs> oh, what park has goats in Philly? And, uh, and if one vanishes and I cook it, will, will they be upset? <laughs> oh my God. I just like I said it and I didn't say anything else. And you're just like, what? I would, <laughs> Wait. Well, I, I I did a delivery to a guy's house and he had uh, he had at least he said thirty five gold goats and he had a couple dozen chickens and I said if we were neighbors you would smell barbecue smoke every weekend yeah <laughs> yeah no these goats um it's over at uh it's called High School Park in Alkins Park and uh there and the community you know takes care of the park so what they did is they hired it's called Philly Goat Project, mm-hmm. and they bring over goats for like a week, and they fence them in on a part 
that a part of the park that needs to be cleaned out. And they eat all the grass. Shrub, all the, the shrubs grass. need to be, and they just go and they just eat everything. But they're making it like an event. So I went there yesterday and yeah. made friends with all the goats, and they're down there. And I so I'm, I like goats. I need now. a goat in my backyard right now. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to mention that before when you were saying how much you hate cutting grass. I'm I like, you need to get yourself a goat. Yeah. I mean, what, what else do you feed a goat? You just let them eat the shrubs and... and, and you, yeah, they were just... And they were going to town, see, man. See, you, you, you've started something my wife is not going to like. <laughs> like you're like, honey, we're getting a goat. I, you know, this is, this is... This is... What do they call it when you're using things to keep the environment going? I, that's what it is. Whatever it is. So it's green. <laughs> yeah, like you're, like you're, yeah. Going green. Going green. Before I let you go, I want you to yep. talk about Barbecue Best because after we hang up, I'm going to play it. And I okay. want everyone to hear this incredible song we talked about earlier. So it, I know it's written by Lucille Bogan. And, Lucille uh, Bogan, and sure. You, you performed this uh, from, uh, from the comedy series of Four Letter Word. Also, right. in this song, the lyrics, she's not talking about coming over and actually getting barbecue at 12. No, is she? <laughs> Uh, sure, of course she is. Okay, okay, because well, what thought, else could she? What else could she be talking about? Oh boy, I what, thought she was talking what, about something sexual. That's explicit. Like you know, what, what else? I mean, at midnight and something's finger licking good. At midnight can only be barbecue. Of course, that's when people people like to grill somewhere around nine o'clock at night. Right. So go ahead. So All right. So the story it. about this, my friends. Um, have a company called Skytown Entertainment in New York City and, and LA. They have two offices. And so they've been producing this series of comedy sketches uh, called The Four Letter Word. And they're like little vignettes um, about these two sort of like middle-aged women in the city and, and them trying to be hip and cool and stylish, but they're anything but. So there's all different scenarios that they find themselves in. And one of them is they... Uh, go to a drag show, right? And the, the title of it is called Drag. So if you ever want to find it, four-letter word, the title of the show is called Drag. Now, the show was actually filmed at a drag um, cabaret, and I want to say lips, but I don't know if that's right. But um, anyway, so the in the show, there are actually real drag queens that were in, in the show itself. Uh and playing the mother of one of the women, and she's also the bartender at the place, is Rutanya Alda. Rutanya Alda, if you saw Mommy Dearest, she played um, her her friend that, that lived with them. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I want to say Christina. Uh, it was like, it's sort of like her, it, you know, she was just like with her all the time. Uh, and lived with jo- with Joan Crawford, and and she was in that. Um, I can't remember the, the character's name, but anyway. So we have a little bit of star power in it as well. But in the show, they actually attend an actual drag show, and in the show, it's performed by Wendy. Quint, it's actually Quindy Westwood. That's her name. Gigantic, big, buxom drag queen, right? But because. So we were trying to think of a song that she could sing, and it would be all lip sync. Uh, but it was going to be because of public domain and and rights, it would be very hard to find a song that we could do without having to pay royalties to do it. 
And that's why I'm playing it on this. So podcast. we came up with the idea. So the producers were all my friends called me and they said, what do you, you know, what do you think about how, how should we go about this? So I said, well, let's see if we can, I said, let, let's find a public domain song that would be appropriate that would be appropriate for, you know, for Wendy to sing. It had to be something kind of sassy. And so uh, I I actually found Barbecue Best. Barbecue Best, which is sort of like, you know, those old, you know, Bessie Smith, and like they would do these songs that all, they're all double entendres, and some of them are outright not entendres. They're just absolutely filthy. Right. Filthy, 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 with every word and da 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 mm-hmm. um, So I found it on a so I found it at, on a list of public domain so I, when I googled it it's actually sung famously by Patti LaBelle at the end of Fried Green Tomatoes during the credits of Fried Green Tomatoes it's Patti LaBelle singing Barbecue Best wow alright so I heard that but I so I was like well we can't use a recording of it we can use the song but recordings of it are not public domain. We'd have to pay royalties to whoever is singing it. So we came up with the idea, well, why don't I just sing it? So there you go. So if I'm singing it, we're okay. So we ended up, so I learned the song and we have a like sort of like that old saloon style piano being played by Andrea Witkins, who you should definitely, definitely check out. Uh, she is an unbelievably talented keyboardist and songwriter. She has many CDs out, good friend of mine, and she's actually playing the piano in, in this. So we recorded it. Ira actually did the recording. And we recorded it. And the video that you see the live is actually um, at my friend's house in upstate New York. And all of our friends are there for New Year's Eve. So we're all, we decided to make a video of me singing it just to have it and so they're like sitting in the audience and, and they filmed everything in the piano and then the song was used in the show so when Wendy Waxwood comes out as as the drag show she is lip syncing to my voice and she comes out with like a link of sausages around her neck and she's swinging the sausages like a boa and she's singing you know yeah, if you want my meat you can come to my house as well mm. you know and so there's a whole mm. scene but it's my voice so that's the story of barbecue best well i love it and you guys are about to hear it and it's about to go on uh thank you so much arlen you've been a joy a pleasure you have you 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 and thank you so much uh yeah thank you maybe maybe you want to hang around as a Bring up the value medicine. Okay. All right. When you come to my house, come down behind the jail. I got a sign on my door. Barbecue for sale. I'm talking about barbecue. The only thing I Try one time, you can't get it. 
We want to thank Arlen Walters for coming on the show today. Don't forget to look down in the show notes and you'll see the live performance of Barbecue Best link right there. You hit on that. It'll take you straight to YouTube. I'd advise you to do that. Quinn's Questions has been a production of Anchor.fm and the good people over at Spotify. The music you heard was all provided to us by Epidemic Sounds, and you would not believe that the artist is actually Jack Black's Jablinski Sounds. That's right, Jack Black. Quinn's Questions working together. Just so you guys know, that's happening. We also want to thank the talented staff at 1030designs.com for crafting our logo and promotional material. Please like and subscribe. Join the Quince Questions community on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all other social platforms. I'm Quincy Stallworth. Thank you for listening, and have a great day. Mm-hmm.